0: I um, want to continue a little thought that we had this morning. There are those who are always either calling me on the phone or writing me letters or you know, the YouTube, but asking questions and uh, sometimes there's some sincere people who really want to know and you want to help them. And there's others who uh, they're not interested in learning, they just want to teach and convince you that their side is right. So they're not really going to listen to what you have to say. I'm kind of like one of those myself. I believe I'm already right, and I don't care if somebody trying to convince me of any other way. Uh, I figured out after 57 years, I'm not about to change. And if I'm, if I'm wrong, so is Hank Lindstrom. And I don't think he changed, so if he ain't changing, I ain't changing. But really, when you know what the scripture says, you don't have to worry about it. You you know what it says. But um, this is um, a statement that one had made. It says, this is the once saved, always saved that most people are familiar with. You know their position. It teaches that no matter, now get what he's saying now. He almost sounds like he might understand our position a little bit. It teaches that no matter what you do, how you do it, how bad you become, how much you sin, how many people you kill, how many women you rape, or how many poor people you steal from, nothing, absolutely nothing will prevent you from going straight into heaven. That doctrine is ludicrous. One year I was coming through Louisiana, and back in those days of years ago, there was a guy named uh, James Swaggert. Jimmy Swagger Yeah, that was his name. Jimmy Swaggert. And um, anyway, he had just messed up his, his testimony. And he always preached holiness and um, you know, against the lust of the flesh and all that kind of stuff. And if you're really saved, you're not going to want to do those things. Well, he had a problem. He, he was doing those things. And he got caught. And so Anyway, he goes on TV, and he says, I have sinned. And uh, he wept and so forth. And um, so I was coming through, and I wanted just to stop in and see the the ministry that he has there. And so I went inside, and hardly nobody was there, but they did have a janitor working there. And they had a little bookstore, and so I went by the little bookstore, and I was looking at the stuff in there. And I saw this one track. It says, that damnable Doctrine of, and it had a, a little thing across, and I couldn't see it, so I had to lift it up of eternal security. Now, you wouldn't believe it, but there are people who believe that what we believe is a damnable doctrine and that it is a wicked, wicked thing to teach people that you can be saved and never lose it. Because if you can't lose it, then you're also telling, well, then you can live any way you want and still go to heaven. In a sense, it's true. I mean, you can. So, therefore... He states that those who believe in this once-saved-always-saved is actually teaching a license to sin and that um, we believe in lasciviousness. Well, I guess we need to look at what the book says. He says this, I have debated once-saved-always-savers, For years, and it would be one thing if people had a stable belief about it an exemplified Christian lifestyle, but so far, most people who believe in one saved, always saved, simply languish around in a lazy boy recliner gospel and are far from walking like Jesus as we are all commanded to be like. So have you been lounging around in your lazy boy uh, gospel, lazy boy chair and not doing anything Some of y'all might be guilty of this. I don't know. He says, so let's get down some more verses that are especially effective for this disgusting doctrine of lasciviousness. In other words, that's what he believes that once saved, always saved leads to. Now, I believe that once you're saved, you're always saved. But I seek to live as, as holy and godly as I can possibly live. I really at this point, I don't know how to improve much on how to live more godly than what I already do. I don't know how I would do it. I, I, I got to get some sleep. But I go seven days a week and I try to watch everything I say and do, where I go, my language, everything. But he's saying that it leads to a, a license to sin. Well, I had a sermon that I preached on that one time and Lo and behold, my daughter, Trina, just happened to put it up on her Facebook this week. And she's had about 70-something comments on people saying that you ought to be ashamed of your dad. Your dad is wrong, and he's vile, he's wicked, and what he's teaching is of the devil. Another person went on there and says, you ought to be ashamed of yourself you ought not speak against God's anointed like that. So they just have it back and forth, and they say all these things. So I don't make any comment. I just let it go. I think Katrina got herself in it. Let her get herself out of it. And she does a pretty good job. She does a good job. <laughs> Take your Bible and turn to the book of Jude in chapter 1. Jude, if you get to chapter 2, you went too far. But in the book of Jude, in the book of Jude... And notice there in verse 1, so that you know who is speaking and who he's talking to, it says in verse 1, this is on page 1328, Jude, the servant of Jesus Christ, and brother of James, to them that are sanctified by God the Father. Those that are sanctified are those who have trusted Christ as Savior and have been made pure and holy and set apart. They belong to God. Anyone who trusts Christ as Savior are sanctified. In other words, they have been made pure and holy by the Lord himself. Now, that is your position in Christ. And so all of us that trust Christ as Savior, you are called a saint because you have been sanctified. You're not a saint because you have lived a really holy life, and now somebody can declare you a saint. And then he makes this statement. In that verse 1, And... Persevered in the faith. Is that what it said? It looks so close like persevered, don't it? But what does it say? Preserved. Preserved in Christ Jesus. That means, have you ever had things that your mother used to can and she would preserve them? They were preserved for down the road. You and I, when we trust Christ as Savior, we have been preserved in Christ. Down the road, for eternity, and can never be unpreserved. But anyway, as we're moving right along. Verse 3. Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you, and exhort you that ye should earnestly contend for the faith. This is those who have trusted Christ as Savior. This is those that have been sanctified, made pure and holy. These are those that are already preserved. He says, that you contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. Now, verse 4 is the verse that shows you you can lose your salvation. Verse 4 is the one that says that once you're saved, you're always saved. It leads to lasciviousness. For there are certain men, those people that believe in once saved, always saved, creeping and unawares who were before of old ordained to this condemnation, ungodly men turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness which is unbridled lust. In other words, no control. Antinomian means against law, against control, against discipline. You just let do anything you want, whenever you want, and that's what he's talking about. Turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness and denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. You see, verse 3 is talking about a group of people, and verse 4 is talking about a different group of people. See, once you trusted Christ as Savior and you have eternal life, you are preserved forever. You're God's child. So this verse doesn't say that those who teach that you're saved forever are the ones who are promoting ungodly living. I don't promote ungodly living. If you listen to enough of my sermons, I'm always talking about you being a godly individual coming to church, reading your Bible, praying to the Lord, witnessing everything that's good, right, and holy, I try to teach y'all to do that. True? I don't remember telling anybody, you'll have a lot more fun. Just live wicked and godly. It won't matter. Your disobedience does matter. And your obedience does matter. Because I want God's children to be blessed. So therefore, we teach these things. He says this, one saved, always saved, turns the grace of God into lasciviousness and says you can do anything you want because you can't lose your salvation. It's partially true. You can't lose your salvation and you can do pretty much whatever you want to do and still go to heaven when you die. The statement, well, I guess you'd have to say, well, that is true. But do we want people to use your Liberty as a license to sin. The Bible teaches against it. Shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? The two next words says God forbid. God does not give people a license to sin. When you sin, you sin against God. And you sin against the will of God. It's never with the approval of God. And there is a consequence to pay. For rebellious living. That's why you find in the book of Hebrews in chapter 12 a whole chapter on God chastening his children. And he says, He scourgeth every child whom he receives. So that, yes, you can choose to live an ungodly life, but that is not the will of God. If a man cannot go to heaven because he does something that's wrong, then who gets to go to heaven? Nobody goes. So it is by grace and grace alone that we are saved. The other verse he gives here, he said, now this verse is the one that will really clinch it for you. 1 John chapter 3. Look in 1 John chapter 3. 1 John and chapter 3. And this is the verse that he, um, he shows you that you have got to keep God's commandments. You have got to obey the law. You've got to do good works. So in verse 15, he makes a statement, or the Scripture makes a statement, Whosoever hateth his brother is a murderer. And ye know that no murderer hath eternal life abiding in him. So if you're saved, you can't hate anybody. Because if you hate somebody, that's the same as murder. And you know that murders are not going to heaven. So therefore, if you hate you commit murder, and you can't go to heaven. You see how a person can take a verse like that, and next thing you know, it's telling you that you're not saved, or you don't have eternal life. Yet, this book is written in verse 10 of chapter uh, 5, or in verse 13, these things have I written unto you that believe that you may know that you have eternal life. So I can know I have eternal life, so I guess if you hate, then you can know you don't have eternal life. Wouldn't that be a Good another way of looking at it. But when you look at that verse, you say, well, how would you answer that verse? I don't know. No, I do. Remember this. Because he explains it up there in verse 9. Look in verse 9 of chapter 3. Where he says, Whosoever is born of God doth not commit sin. For his seed remaineth in him, and he cannot sin. Because... He is born of God. So there you see, if you're born of God, you don't commit sin. So if you do commit sin, that means you're not born of God. See how simple that is? But does that give you any problems? It sure gives you a problem, don't it? All right, now look up here because you have to understand. He says, now when we're born into this world, flesh birth. When you trust Christ as Savior, new birth. Flesh, spirit. This so sinful nature lives inside of this flesh birth. You trust Christ as Savior, you have a new birth. This is the spirit birth. The flesh birth, I can see. Your spirit birth, I can't see. I just have to take you at your word, you have one. Because I can't see it. You can't see mine. You can see my first birth, right? But you can't see my second birth. Now, The Bible says that whosoever is born of God cannot commit sin. Remember, this one can sin. Your spiritual birth that's born of God is spirit. Christ says that which is of the flesh, flesh. That which is of the spirit, spirit. So the spiritual birth, born of God. If it's born of God, God doesn't have a sinful nature, so your new birth doesn't have a sinful nature. My first birth has a sinful nature because my parents had a sinful nature. Well, their parents had one too. And on down the line. So all born in the flesh, we all sin, we all sin, we all die. But the new birth, born of God. And if it's born of God, it has no sinful nature. If it has no sinful nature, it cannot cannot die because it cannot sin. So if it cannot sin, it cannot die. Therefore, you are a child of God for how long? Forever. But see... People who don't get this cannot understand the scriptures. And the Bible says the natural man cannot discern this because it doesn't make any sense. You have to be born into God's family and then with the Holy Spirit. Then you can see it and understand it. That's why they cannot. All they see is this flesh birth. And they judge everything by what they see the flesh does. And if the flesh does bad, that's a sign that something didn't happen. Because you're not supposed to be sinning. Wait a minute. Whosoever is born of God. This is the one that's born of God. This is the one that cannot sin. This one can't even commit one single act of sin. Because it had no sin for nature. So when I sin, which one is it coming from? This one's. So when he makes this statement. If you hate your brother. Okay, hate. Is that a fruit of the spirit or a work of the flesh? That's the flesh. That lets you know this one is the flesh that hates. And you know that a person who hates, this is where murder comes from. And this is, um, doesn't have eternal life. Which one has eternal life? This birth has eternal life. So when you understand that whosoever hateth his brother, which one hates? This one right here. He does not have eternal life. And therefore, he is not going to heaven. So there's no problem with this scripture. But when you don't understand the two natures, you've got all kind of problems. Let's just pretend that they are telling the truth. Okay, here you are. You say you're saved. What happens one day when you're driving down the highway and somebody cuts you off and you get mad? You, get a little, you just lost your salvation, didn't you? You don't have eternal life anymore. You just lost your eternal life. Because a person who gets angry and mad, and he doesn't have eternal life abiding in him. When would you know for sure you lost your salvation? At what point would you really know you lost it? When you die, you. You'll find out for sure then. I guarantee. Guaranteed. So, if you can know that you're saved, can you know when you're unsaved? And most of those people that believe you can lose your salvation never know when they lose it. They don't know when they lost it. They may be thinking they've got it and they've already lost it because they've already sinned against God and they didn't even know it. Can you deceive yourself? Well, I wouldn't want to live that way. But they'll come across as they're so righteous and so holy. There's this one girl that told Trina about her dad. It says how bad and how wicked he is in teaching people this. And so it had her thing on there, her name. So I thought, I wonder. I clicked on her name, and it went to her Facebook page. And lo and behold, she has got a picture of herself. Her top's almost open, and she is this good, godly woman that's as sensual as you can get. And she's the one who's telling us, We're the ones who are like that, and they're so holy. Oh, what I wanted to say. I just dropped the issue and got off of there. Now, turning your Bible to the book of Galatians, the book of Galatians. These are verses you ought to know and know well. You come here to Calvary Community Church. You've had Dr. Hank Lindstrom educate you on a lot of this stuff. And all I have done since I've been here is confirm what he's taught you. Because we both believe the same thing, pretty much the same way. So you you know a lot of these things. But there's a lot of people who do not know what you have been blessed to know. Many churches would have not one clue how to answer some of these questions. Most of y'all probably could answer some of these. Now look there in Galatians in chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5. This is another one because he says, can not inherit the kingdom of God. See verse 21? Envying, murders, drunkenness, reveling, such like, of the which I tell you before, as I have told you in time past, they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. You see that verse? So therefore, if you do these things, you cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Now, look up here in verse 19, because it kind of gives you the, the, whole, runs the whole gamut of all kinds of things. All these names. You, most of you probably can't pronounce them or even know what the meanings are. But look in verse 19. Now, the works of the flesh. The works of the what? Flesh. This is not the fruit of the Spirit. This is not what comes from the new birth. This is from the flesh birth. Now, the works of the flesh... Manifest, which are these adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envies, murders, drunkenness, and reveling in such life of the which I tell you before, I've told you in time past that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. But you see, up there in verse 16, when he says, This I said to you, walk in the spirit, and you will not fulfill. The lust of the flesh. All right, look up here. See, without this, you can't explain all this. Because, you see, there's the flesh birth, and there's the new birth, spirit birth. Because you are a child of God, you inherit what your father has. The reason the flesh cannot inherit the kingdom of God, because that's not his children. The children of the flesh... These are not the children of God. Where does he say that? Romans chapter 9, verse 8. Very good. So, Romans chapter 9, verse 8 says these are not the children of God. They cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Why should a child of God walk in the flesh? That's not the will of God. So, God tells you that if you walk in the flesh, this is what you're going to produce. What you sow, you're going to reap. And God's going to have to chasten you. But if you look there in verse 22, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. There's no law against bringing forth the fruit of the Spirit. But is there a law against bringing forth the works of the flesh? Yes. Because, see, that's what the Ten Commandments are. The Ten Commandments says, Thou shalt not, and thou shalt not, and thou shalt not, and all those nots are these things, the works of the flesh. So, the Bible teaches us, and then you need to see this verse. Look there in 1 Corinthians and chapter 15. 1 Corinthians, chapter 15. And you'll notice there in uh, verse, we'll just start there in uh, verse 46. Verse 46. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 46, page 1227 in a church Bible. And he says in verse 46, howbeit that was not first which is spiritual, but that which is natural. Afterwards, that which is spiritual. All right, look up here. The first was the natural, the flesh birth, then that which is spiritual. That's what it says. In other words, this first flesh birth represents Adam in the garden. This birth represents Christ that came into this world, the Son of God. This one is like the Son of God. This one is like Adam. So the first Adam died. Christ is alive forevermore. Two different ones. Now look what he says in verse 48. As is the earthy, so also they which are earthy. And as is the heavenly, so also that which is heavenly. In other words, they look and act like the source in which they came from. As he says there in verse 49. And as we have borne the image of the earthy, We shall also bear the image of the heavenly. Two different births. And if you don't have these two different births down in your mind, you will not discern what these verses say. You'll have to get them and mix them all up, and you get nothing but the flesh birth, and you're trying to convert the old flesh birth, the old flesh nature. It will not work. You can't improve the flesh. So he makes this statement in verse 50. Now this I say, brethren, flesh and blood cannot what? Inherit the kingdom of God. Neither doth corruption inherit incorruption. So that's why the flesh birth is from the first birth. It is sinful and it cannot inherit the kingdom of God. It is the new birth that says we are Heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. We inherit things that belong to us because of our birth. We have birth rights. Right by birth. So that's an easy way to understand some of these verses. Now take your Bible turn to the book of Ephesians. The book of Ephesians. The book of Ephesians in chapter 5. And look in verse 5. See, he's using these verses to try to show you that if you do these things, you can't go to heaven. So if you say you're a Christian and you commit these sins, then you're not, that shows you that you're not a Christian, that you're not a believer. And you can't go to heaven because you cannot inherit, you cannot inherit, you cannot inherit, you cannot inherit. All these verses say that. But it's not talking about the new birth, it's talking about flesh birth. And if you don't see that, then that's why they're blind. They don't see that. So here in Ephesians in chapter 5, look in verse 5. For this ye know, that no whoremonger, nor unclean person, nor covetous man, who is an idolater, hath any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. No one. None of these has an inheritance. That's the flesh birth. God is saying, look, I want you to imitate me, not the flesh. Because, you see, you're a child of God. You should look like a child of God, act like a child of God, talk like a child of God. Now, if you don't, you're still his child. Of course, he may have a little homework to get done and uh, maybe take you home before your time. But can you disobey the Lord? Can you be rebellious? Yes, you can. And still be His child? Yes, you can. So you notice there in verse 1, Be ye therefore followers of God, or imitators of God as what? Dear children, you are a child of God. And verse 2, Walk in love, as Christ also hath loved us, and hath given Himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet smell and savor. But he says, these other things like fornication, uncleanness, and uncovetousness, let it not be once named among you as become of saints. Because this does not enhance your reputation or your character. You are a child of God. This is not the will of God that you live in sin. God wants his children to live a godly life, a consecrated life, a saintly life, a holy life. That is the will of God. That's what God wants you to do. Now, take your Bible and turn over there to the book of uh, 1 Thessalonians in chapter 4. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Because you see, as a child of God, yes, you can be rebellious, but these verses do not teach that you lose your salvation and now you're going to hell because you did these things. It's that they are always under the impression that if you do some of these bad things, then you can't go to heaven. And they still would believe, if you're good, you're going to heaven, and if you're bad, you're going to hell. It's the only way they can cut it. They just can't grasp this thing called grace, that it can be free, and you can go to heaven, regardless of anything that you did. Look what it says here in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, and look there in verse 3. Verse 3. You don't have verse 3 underlined. It would be a good verse. For this is the will of God, even your sanctification, that ye should abstain from fornication. See that word should? It's not the word must. Not have to, but you should. God says there's a lot of things that we should do. But if you had to do it to keep your salvation, that would make your salvation depend upon you keeping by your life which means that you would be saving yourself. Our salvation does not depend upon our works to maintain. That ye should abstain from fornication. Get verse 4. That every one of you should, you ought to circle the the, the word should, should know how to possess his vessel in sanctification and honor. This is talking about this body that we have. We should deny our body the fulfillment of its lust. And we should seek to serve the Lord, and God wants us to live as godly and holy as we possibly can. And so he goes down through here, and he says these things, and how we're supposed to possess this body that God has given to us. First Corinthians in chapter 6. Look in 1 Corinthians in chapter 6. Just kind of put all of these together. He put all of these together. This is the list Right out of the little letter that he sent. So in 1 Corinthians in chapter 6, this is one that really cinches it really good. Because that doctrine of once saved, always saved, it just can't be. You know, if you were saved forever, once saved, always saved, if that was true, it'd have to be grace, wouldn't it? It'd have to be Grace. But since they deny that you're saved forever, then it has to be works. Right? Are you saved by your works? All right, now look at this. In 1 Corinthians in chapter 6, look there in verse 9 and 10. 9 and 10. Know ye not that the unrighteous, that's a reference to lost people, shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor a, or adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners. And here's that phrase, shall inherit the kingdom of God. Are we talking about saved people or lost people? This, this is lost people. You say, well, why is this here in here? Well, well very simple, because you see there in verse 2, these people were going to law against each other. Instead of them solving their problems with spiritual, godly people, they were taking each other to court trying to solve these problems. And so he says, don't you know saints are going to judge the world? And don't you know the saints are going to judge the angel, as it's set up in verse 3? Well, if all that is true, he says in verse 5, I speak to your shame. Is it so that there's not a wise man among you? No, not one that shall be able to judge between his brothers, between God's people? Why are you going to court against each other in the church? Now, I'm not talking about, you know, you wrecked your car and somebody hit you and he laid it up and so on. Like that. That's a totally different thing altogether. That's why you have insurance and that's why, yes, if you had to sue, you got to do all those things. Or one company against another company and somebody breaks. We're talking about God's people in a local a church. Now, He said in verse 6, but brother goeth to law with brother, and that before the unbelievers. Is that what he says? Go into court against each other in front of unbelievers. These unbelievers. Now, shouldn't God's people be able to settle some things in a spiritual way between two people that love the Lord? Instead of taking the case to a, a lost man and saying, would you judge for us on who's right and who's wrong? He says, don't you know, they're not God's people, and they are not those who inherit eternal life. Why take it to wicked people instead of godly people? And so that's why he says in verse 7, Now therefore there is utterly a fault among you, because you go to law one with another. Why do you not rather just take wrong? Why do you not rather just suffer yourselves to be defrauded? Nay, you do wrong and defraud, and that your brethren... Verse 9, know ye not? Don't you know this? Why they should not go before unbelievers. And that's why he makes a statement down here in verse 11. And such were some of you. You was like that. But you are washed. You are sanctified. You are justified. He just says they are washed, sanctified, justified. After he just says you're wrong. Didn't he? They had fault. You're at fault. You're doing something that's wrong to each other. But it says you've been washed. You've been sanctified. You've been petrified. And all of these things, this is the way your standing is in the Lord. So he says in verse 12, all things are lawful for me or unto me. In other words, you can take it to law. You can do that. And uh, you may say, "Well, I have my right, and you can do that." He said, "But it may not be expedient. It may not be necessary. It may not be the wisest thing you've ever done." He says, "Is not a wise man among you?" So, the verse nine and ten is not telling believers you can lose your salvation and you're going to go to hell. It's not even what he's talking about. But he's talking about unbelievers and why you don't take certain things to the unbelievers. It's the same thing as you'll read in the book of Psalms in chapter 1. Not to sit in the way of the scornful and stand in the way of sinners and so on. But you shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. And you don't go get ungodly counseling. Seek spiritual counseling. As much as you possibly can. But I do not believe these verses are teaching that you can uh, lose your salvation. And we'll get into that later. Maybe Wednesday night. Look up here. Letting this hand represent you and me. The wall represents sin. We all have sin on us. The flesh birth has a sinful nature, and that's why we sin. And God says the soul that sinneth shall die. That's why everybody dies. But the Lord says that he loves us and wants us to go to heaven. But to go to heaven, we have to be perfect, and we're not perfect, so we can't go. So God says, you cannot save yourself. There's no amount of works that you can ever do that change the situation. We're all under the sentence of death. We're just waiting for the day of execution. We're going to die. This hand represents Jesus Christ. He's the Lord God in the flesh. He came into the world to pay for all the sins of everybody. So he took all the sin, it separates us from him, took it, paid for it on the cross, came back from the dead. And God said that... um, If we would believe He did it for us, He'd put this payment to our account and we get to go to heaven on what He did for us. And God says, the very moment you believe it, He gives to you eternal life. And that's why He says, These things have I written unto you that believe, that you may know that you have eternal life. I have eternal life. And I have a new birth that's been born of God. And it cannot sin, it cannot die. This old flesh birth may turn and do everything in the book just like it's always done. And I may never control it. I may fulfill the lust of the flesh. But it doesn't do away with the birth. And if I walk in the spirit, it doesn't do away with the flesh. I have both. Until the day I leave this body of sin. Let's pray, shall we? With heads bowed eyes closed, no one looking around. And especially if you're watching by internet tonight, understand that we do not advocate at Calvary Community Church for people to live an ungodly life. We believe that everyone who trusts Christ as Savior, and as a child of God, we believe they should get into the Word of God, study it, and grow in their faith to become strong, and live as holy as they possibly can according to the will of God. But there are people who will trust Christ as Savior. They receive the free gift of eternal life and yet will not serve the Lord. Will they still go to heaven? Yes, because they're going to heaven depend upon what Christ did for them. Rewards in heaven is a result of what we do for Him. And we should love Him because He first loved us. But if you're here tonight and you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, I pray that you would. I'm not going to have you forward. not going to embarrass you. But right where you're sitting, you say, Preacher, that made sense to me, and I want to make sure that I go to heaven when I die. And I'm going to trust Jesus Christ as my Savior. If you've never done so before, and you'll do it tonight, you say, Preacher, pray for me. Would you just slip your hand up very quickly and put it right back down? Is anyone at all? Anyone at all? You that know Christ as your Savior, if you're God's child, it is the will of God that some of those sins that God mentioned in His Word, He said, let it not be once named among His people. God wants His children to live a holy, godly life. And I pray that you will. Pray for God's will to be done in your life. Abstain from the lusts of the flesh. Guard yourself. Father, we thank you so much for all that you've done for us and for the study of your word. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.